Here we go. You're listening to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your host, Justina McKenzie on Midtown Radio KW. Today, we have a very exciting episode as we have Lily Romeo, our very first guest to the podcast. Lily's a dog trainer and owner of Leader of the Pack KW locally. You probably know Lily from her amazing photos on social media of all the dogs sitting beautifully in unison without running away. How does she do it? Today, we find out. And it is getting harder to see your face. Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW podcast with your hosts, myself, Mackenzie, and Justine. Today, we are talking to Lily Romeo from Leader of the Pack. And we are both very excited to learn all about creating calm and everything that Lily is about. Yeah. So welcome, Lily. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And it's my first podcast. So yeah, I'm uh, very excited. (laughs) So our first question for you today is, can you tell us a bit about your business? What is Leader of the Pack KW? Yeah, of course. Um, So Leader of the Pack, it's technically Leader of the Pack Professional Dog Services, but it's a little long. So all of my handles are Leader of the Pack KW. (laughs) Just makes it a little easier. Um, But yeah, so Leader of the Pack is a business I started back in 2017. So this June will probably would, would have been our or will be <laughs> our fourth year anniversary. Nice. Um, we usually like to do little fun um, summer parties, but who knows this year? Um, yeah, so um, we're a dog business. Um, we offer many different services to Kitchener Waterloo and some surrounding areas. So our main services are pack walks, which are um, basically a dog walk, but it adds a little bit of extra socialization. Um, we can add a little bit of training as well to be able to work on some leash skills. And, um, it tends to be a little bit more calm and structured. So it tends to be good for dogs who need to have a little bit more in-depth training, um, versus maybe just a solo kind of dog walk. Um, I also offer training services. So for clients who are either getting a new puppy or maybe are experiencing some behavioral issues with their dog, um, I offer training services to help them. Um, I also offer free community walks. So um, the community walks are open to the public. Anyone is welcome to attend. We do have some safety rules and regulations for anyone who wants to attend, but it's just a nice way for clients to come out and practice calm, structured socialization and um, be able to get out with other dog owners in their community. We love Lily's community walks. They're so fun. They are awesome. All dogs, uh, ages, sizes, doesn't matter come on yeah. out because they're very fun. Even my small little dressed up dogs enjoy it. Oh yeah. We love all kinds. Anyone, anyone is welcome. <laughs> we try and make it so that all dogs have a positive experience on the walks. So even if you're experiencing some behavioral issues, um, we definitely want to make sure that all dogs can have a way to socialize in a way that's not only safe, but also going to help maybe work on some of those um, associations that they have. That's awesome. You were saying we're a lot when you were talking about your business. So is Leader of the Pack a one-woman show or do you have some help? Uh, So... 
for the most part, it's it started off as a one woman show, I guess. Um, along the way, I mean, I've I've had so many people help me along the way. Um, my clients, I always say they're kind of my unregulated marketing team. They're always been so wonderful <laughs> about helping me um, kind of grow my business, especially at the beginning. Um, but I have an assistant who works with me. She's my right hand lady. I couldn't do couldn't do half the things I do without her. Um, nice. So her name is Kate. So she has uh, been with me since the start. Um, she's wonderful. She um, went with me when I went to go work with Caesar. Um, and yeah, she's awesome. She brings her um, her dog Hammer out to our pack walks, and they definitely assist a lot. And yeah, I couldn't do it without her. So. Yeah, and we I collectively include Kate. <laughs> Shout out to Kate yeah. and Hammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She'll be excited to know that she was on. So can you tell us more about your training philosophy and your training techniques? Um, I would just love to hear more about what you're all about and how you go about your, your training practice. Of course. Um, so my training philosophy tends to stem around um, helping clients have an understanding or a deeper understanding of dog psychology and understanding dog behavior and um, being able to read dog body language so they can better manage and prevent specific behavioral issues, but also help clients achieve a stronger and deeper bond with their dog. Um, from my perspective, dogs are an instinctual creature, which means they respond to instinctual forms of communication. So that's a big part of how I like to teach clients to communicate and be able to relate better to their dogs. So more of teaching clients how to speak dog in a sense and helping them understand their dog's perspective and point of view. That's really, that's really cool to hear. We hear the term a lot like positive reinforcement. We hear, you know, balanced trainer. We hear, you know, all of these different words or, or different training ways. Like, what would you consider your style to be? Would it be the philosophy and that, like, dog philosophy and that's it? Or psychology? Yeah. Terminology in, in the dog industry can be so complex. And, and it doesn't always necessarily mean what people have an association about it. Like when people think of positive reinforcement, there's a general um, association that it's never being mean to the dog. It's always about being positive or um, like using a lot of treats and affection. And that's not necessarily what positive reinforcement means. Positive reinforcement literally just means to add something to reinforce a behavior. Um, so that goes back to the four quadrants of learning. So there's positive reinforcement, there's positive punishment, there's negative reinforcement, and there's negative punishment, which just either means to add something, to take something away, to enforce or discourage a behavior. I don't personally believe in punishing a dog. Um, so for me, it's more, I would classify it as balanced training. Um, mm -hmm. I do agree, like you have to be able to disagree with behaviors. Um, but as much as I much as as much as I say that you have to um, disagree with behaviors, it's also very important to reward the behaviors that you want to see. Dogs will practice the behaviors that get rewarded. So it's important to make sure that you have a clear understanding of the behaviors that you want and the behaviors that you don't want. Thanks, Lily, for sharing some info about your training techniques and philosophies. I've uh, been privileged enough to get to see some of those in action with my own dog, Marshall. Um, but in terms of our next question, I'm curious, what does it mean to have a calm dog and why is that so important? Uh, so yeah, what a calm dog is for me is a dog that is well-behaved. Again, there's lots of different terminology in the dog world. Like people tend to associate dogs who are well-behaved with dogs who are obedient, but they aren't always one in the same. You can have a dog who 
is obedient, but doesn't necessarily mean that that is that that dog is well behaved. Um, I mean, obviously, there's definitely cases where you can have both. Um, but well behaved for me is a dog that you can take anywhere, and you can do essentially anything with a dog that is receptive, open to direction, a dog who is willing to take some form of leadership from its human. Um, a dog that knows how to practice calm and relaxation in different environments around different stimulation, whether that be around people, um, different other, like different dogs, um, or in different environments. Why that's important for me is there's a couple of reasons. (laughs) I think it's an important lesson for every dog to learn. I think that it definitely can help, especially if you start early in, um, like your adventures and your journey in in training your dog, it can definitely help prevent a lot of behavioral issues from stemming um, later on in life. Um, A lot of anxiety, a lot of like hyperactivity and even behaviors like aggression can stem from a dog not learning how to practice um, calm and relaxation, whether it be around food or people coming over. So I think it's definitely a foundation in helping dogs learn how to practice um, a well-balanced lifestyle and learn how to be happy dogs in general. I think it also opens a lot of opportunities having dogs who are calm. Mm -hmm. Um, For me personally, I love taking my dogs to different places. There's so many dog-friendly places in town, which is, I know, kind of your guys' expertise (laughs) at this point. Um, We love it. Yeah, who doesn't? Um, But yeah, I think having dogs who are more well-behaved and know how to practice calm opens up so many more avenues for people who want to have more of a dog-friendly space and dog-friendly community. So if dogs are more well-behaved, they'll be welcome into more spaces and that allows dogs to practice more socialization. It just creates more well-rounded and well-balanced dogs. So I think having a dog who's calm is, yeah, an important lesson that every dog should learn. Yeah, that's such a great point. I never thought that if like more people practice calm with their dogs, that it might in turn result in us having like more options for spaces that we can access. Yeah. For me, I think it's so cool to like be able to take your dogs to like indigo when it's maybe a rainy day and you want to take them for a little, maybe a little bit of an extra adventure or um, like there's so many dog friendly breweries and I definitely don't mind having a beer every once in a while. (laughs) So it's so nice when dogs can be a part of our lives in so many different ways. And I think it just helps foster a better dog community and like Kitchener Waterloo is so is so amazing for the dog community that we have. It's it's one of the most like saturated dog communities in all of North America. I heard. Wow. Oh, that's fascinating. I didn't know that. That is so neat. For example, for the grapevine, but uh, yeah. So I think again, it just having more dogs who are learning to practice calm. It just it can we could take our already fairly dog friendly community and and take it to the next level. So. Well, Lily, you are speaking our language. (laughs) We love dog-friendly spaces. I do have a question before we jump to a break. Maybe you can uh, answer it as soon as we come back. But I would love to hear your experience with Cesar Milan, the dog whisperer. And we'll chat more about him uh, after our short break. All right. Well, we've been chatting with Lily Romeo from Leader of the Pack Professional Dog Services, also (laughs) affectionately known as Leader of the Pack KW. So thanks, Lily. And we'll be back.
All right. Welcome back to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your host, myself, Mackenzie, and Justine. Uh, today we are joined by the lovely Lily Romeo of Leader of the Pack KW. All right, Mackenzie, it's our Celebrity Pup of the Week. Woof, woof. Woof, woof. Celebrity Pup of the Week. All right. This week, we have a very, very, very special Celebrity Pup of the Week. A VIP. Very important pup. Yes. Very important indeed. We have Bruno at Bruno underscore DTK. And our guest today, Lily, also knows Bruno really well. So, Lily, how do you know Bruno? Yeah, I've known Bruno for a while. He was one of my training clients like at the very beginning. Um, so I've known him since he was a puppy. Uh, he's definitely quite the character. Um, he's one of Marshall's best friends. He is. It's so cute. And if you're into wrinkles, he's definitely your guy. He's got the best face wrinkles to squish if you like. I, I was just going to ask that. How squishable is that face? Because in photos, I just want to squeeze it because he looks <laughs> so cute. Or a scale of one to ten, probably like nine and a half. <laughs> well, yeah, Bruno lives in downtown Kitchener and is known to, you know, hop around the busy streets of, of DTK and sips on puppuccinos at Starbucks. So congratulations, Bruno slash Marshall, my dog's best friend. You are <laughs> this week's Celebrity Pup of the Week. Woof, 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 woof. Come on, Lily, give us, yeah, give us a woof, woof. (laughs) If you would like your pup featured as our Celebrity Pup of the Week, please tag us on our Instagram at dogfriendlykw for a chance to be featured as our Celebrity Pup of the Week. All right, welcome back to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your host, myself, Mackenzie, and Justine. Today we are joined by the lovely Lily Romeo of Leader of the Pack KW. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Hi Lily. Yeah, so in the first half of today's episode, we learned a bit about Lily's business and a bit about what it means to to have a calm dog. So in the second half of today's podcast, we'd love to dig in a bit more about the practical ways that dog owners can create calm in their pups' lives. But first, let's follow up with my question pre-break about... Caesar Milan, because I'm sure we're all waiting to hear about Lily's experience with Mr. Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer. Growing up as a kid, I always watched the dog whisperer on TV because, as I mentioned in previous podcasts, my mom would not let me get a dog. Love you, mom, but you would not let me get a dog. And <laughs> I always wanted a dog that was well behaved and like perfect. And so I watched Caesar Milan. There's no such thing as a perfect dog, I've learned. But The Dog Whisperer was a show I really, really enjoyed uh, watching as a kid. So, Lily, I would love to hear your experience with The Dog Whisperer, Caesar Milan, and what, um, yeah, what you've learned from him and how you, how you implement that in, your, in your, you know, your business, just everything you can. I would love to hear about it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've had the privilege of working with many wonderful trainers. Cesar Milan probably the most notable. Um, so I went to go work with Cesar Milan um, in his, at his dog psychology center in Santa Clarita, California. Um, so he offers courses. Anyone can take his courses, um, but he offered um, some training fundamentals um, at his dog psychology center. Um, so I took his fundamentals one and his fundamentals two. Um, it was an amazing experience. Again, it's always kind of hard to put into words. There were so many wonderful things that happened. Um, but like finally meeting someone that I also grew up watching and like, I think watching his, um, like the dog whisperer show growing up with my mom was a big part of kind of what helped me learn what I wanted to do as a career. And, um, I've always wanted to work with dogs, even from being a kid. And I mean, when I found out kind of the vet side of it, wasn't going to work out for me. Um, I found that dog training was a passion of mine. And yeah, I definitely think a lot of that came from watching Caesar and his show and, and watching him with daddy and, um, now junior. I was going to say, did you meet junior? I did. It was probably one of my favorite things about going out to his dog psychology center um, and also getting to see all of the other animals he has out on his farm. Um, so he has like a massive like tortoise and he has llamas. And um, so there's one llama there named Lorenzo, who is like the sassiest llama I've ever met. Um, and he Have you met many llamas, Lily? I mean, at Waterloo Park, there's a ton and they're all kind of quiet. Lorenzo was very forward as a llama compared to the quiet ones at Waterloo Park. That's amazing. Yeah. They ended up bringing up Lorenzo because it was part of helping, um, learn how to be confident around animals. And like, he's a big animal. Most people haven't had enough close encounter with, uh, a llama and he was like very, very tall. Um, and he was quite pushy. And so it was about helping me be more confident. And it was a really, really cool experience. Um, like for me, that was probably one of the, like, things I'll never forget about the experience just because it was so random. Um, but yeah, I learned a lot from him. I found what I took most from it. Um, again, back when I went to go see Caesar, I was still fairly new in starting my business. Um, and I didn't have as much confidence as I would have wanted, um, in terms of being able to relate what I know about dogs to clients and humans. And I found that's probably what I took the most of was being able to learn about how he is able to translate ideas into productive words and concepts that clients can understand because, and he's always kind of said this too, like English is his second language. So he was always able to put things very simply so that anyone could understand it. And we tend to make dog training more complex than it really needs to be. And I really appreciate how simple he makes things. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's, that's really, really cool to hear. Um, but I would love to now talk about you and now how you have taken that, what you learned and created the business that you created. Yeah. So we already talked a bit about what it means to have a calm dog, but Lily, I'm wondering if you could tell us how we create a calm dog. And honestly, how do you tell if your dog is actually calm? Because I believe that my dog is like a superstar actor when it comes <laughs> pretending to be calm and I've learned many things about him in my journeys and trying to get him to practice calm that he often has me duped. Yeah, for sure. Um, so again, how to create calm, it's, it can be as simple or as complex as you want it to be. Um, again, the most important thing I would say is you don't want to be promoting too much excitement. 
right? Calm, again, is a very important lesson. We, as humans, tend to create a lot of excitement in our dogs. And I'm not saying that's always a bad thing. Again, dogs don't have to be calm all of the time, but it's definitely important to create the foundation of what <laughs> I'm guilty. I am guilty of it. I love to see my dogs hyped up. I think it's so cute, but it's not necessarily the best. Yes. Again, times and places for me. Like, as a dog trainer, will I say that my dogs get excited? Absolutely. All of the time. I don't believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) you haven't been at my house. Oh, yeah. As soon as the attention's not on them, they love to get, get their toys going. They love to play. Yeah, they're dogs too. And again, I don't believe that any dog should have to be a robot and calm 100% of the time. Like nobody gets a dog so that they can't play with it or they can't get excited with it. Um, but again, it's it's always going to be easier to create excitement in your dog. The hard part can be the creating calm element of it, right? So part of how we create calm and how I help my clients achieve a calm state for their dog is one, you don't want to promote it all of the time. I always say you get what you pet, which means you get the behaviors that you reward. If you constantly reward excitement in your relationship with your dog, your dog will learn that that's the behavior that mom or dad likes. So they will continue to practice it. Dogs only do what gets rewarded. So if excitement when that you come home and the jumping up and the barking gets attention, then they will continue to practice it. So don't hype your dog up being like, do you want to go for a walk? Which is what (laughs) Mackenzie does every day. You want to go for a walk? (laughs) It's not always my first recommendation. If you want more of a calm walk, if you want an exciting walk, have at it. <laughs> um, but if you want a dog who practices a little bit more relaxation on the walk, and again, still enjoyable walk, maybe maybe less high-pitched noises, maybe deep breaths, nice calm energy to kind of help promote more of a calm space. <laughs> See, that's funny because my dogs go from a dead sleep, like they are right now. They're this like curled up little cinnamon roll right now. And I got to hype them up. Like, let's go guys. Get up. Come on. <laughs> I mean, there's always going to be this, the couch potatoes, but yeah. Yeah. Again, it's, it's dogs learn to associate, um, like words like walk and like when the leash comes out with behaviors that they practice on a regular basis. So if it's constant excitement, it will always be excitement. That makes perfect sense. That's one thing that at your recommendation, Lily, that we never did with Marshall, he doesn't know any of those words. He doesn't know the phrase, like, do you want to go? Like, he doesn't know that. So if people try to do that to like hype him up, he's like, what are you doing? (laughs) That doesn't mean anything to me. You're, you're boring, (laughs) which is great because he, as you know, is a very excitable dog he's a puppy. They're all excitable. <laughs> crazy. But I mean, I think like the important thing, I hear you like talking about the food stuff and creating calm around food. And I think it's so important that this is like, it's not something you do like once a week. Like we've been working with Marshall to like practice calm around food since the day we brought him home, which was like, I've lost track now, eight months ago, seven months ago, six months ago, however many months ago, every day we practice calm around food. And he still, it still takes him like a duration of time to get there. So just these things take so much time and so much practice and so much repetition. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's. Yeah. I always say like training is a lifestyle, not a diet. You again, calm doesn't happen overnight and you can't expect it to. It's not fair to expect 100% calm the first time you try and practice calm around food or practice calm around the door or calm around your leash, especially if there was a lot of excitement there before. Mm -hmm. So it definitely takes time and it's always going to be a process. And I always say to make sure that you go at your dog's pace and and be aware of their limitations and and be mindful of what, um, what they need. 
Awesome. Well, I have one more question for you. Yeah. So what exercises or techniques do you recommend for starting to create calm with your dog? So that can, again, be a simple or more of a complex question. Anything and everything you do with your dog can be an exercise that either promotes or does not promote calm. Mm -hmm. Again, one thing I like to tell my clients is if you want to, if let's say you want to have your dog practice calm around the doorway, or you want to have your dog practice calm um, when people come over again, let's say that's 10% of your relationship. If you only practice calm in that 10%, you only have a dog who is calm 10% of the time. Um, if you want a dog who is more often than not in a calmer state, you have to practice calm in every element of your relationship, which sounds much more complex and much more in-depth than it really is. But anything you do with your dog can be something that promotes calm. Again, whether it be giving them a treat, whether it be um, feeding them breakfast or dinner, um, putting on their leash, um, coming out of the crate, throwing a ball. These are all exercises that you can do to practice and create calm with your dog. The most important part is, again, being able to make sure that you practice enough patience to allow the dog to understand that they have to go into a calm state, um, being able to recognize what calm looks like for your dog, because that's always very different for every dog. Um, there are general signs of what calm looks like, but being able to recognize those signs of calm, but also provide communication for dogs um, if they aren't sure of what their expectations are to be able to help them get to that goal of calm. Um, so yeah, those are more specific things, but in general, other ex exercises that you can practice for creating calm can be things like sit on the dog, which I'm sure <laughs> Marshall is very familiar with at this point. So familiar with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sit on the dog is one of my favorite exercises um, to practice. It's not as literal as it sounds. We are definitely not sitting on any dogs, um, especially the wee ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> But sit on the dog is just a patience exercise. Patience for me is extremely important when you're trying to achieve a calm state. It's one of the key things that you must be able to practice if you want your dog to be able to go into a calm state of mind. So sit on the dog, which is just a patience exercise where the dog holds a sit for a duration of time. Um, a place command, which Marshall is also working on, I see in his yes, Instagram, is. Um, is another exercise that I like to teach clients to help promote more of a calm state. Amazing. Well, Thank you, Lily. That's so helpful. So much good information. When we get back from the break, we'll be doing a lightning round. No pressure, Lily. <laughs> I'm excited for it. <laughs> no pressure. So welcome back the Dog Friendly KW podcast with Justine and Mackenzie. Today, we're chatting with Lily Romeo from Leader of the Pack, and we are about to do a lightning round. That's supposed to be lightning. Is that what light? This more sound like lasers than lightning. Pew, pew. Anyways, lightning round. Mackenzie, question, go. Lily, my question is, I have small dogs. Justine has big dogs. Do you train small and big dogs the same? So as a big and small dog owner, <laughs> again, I have my Rottweiler and my Husky, and then I also have my Chihuahua mix. All dogs to me are the same. They all have the same psychology, whether they're a small dog or a big dog. They're all dogs first. Again, breed, personality, temperament, all come secondary. Again, I never say that I'll train every dog the same way, but size doesn't make a difference in terms of whether or not I will treat a dog differently or train a dog differently. Where is your 
favorite place to bring your dogs in KW? Um, there are so many different spots. Can I have a top three? You can have a top three, but you have to be quick. Bang, bang, bang. Okay. Top three. Bang, bang, bang. Okay. So Spoiler Dog Bakery in St. Jacob's is one of my Good absolute place. favorite spots. Um, probably uh, the Beer Garden in St. Jacob's as well. Their patio is beautiful. Um, and then... I got to go with Indigo. I think it's just a cool experience bringing your dog into a bookstore and and having, again, I like to bring packs of dogs into the bookstores and the staff always find it so fun. And they're like, Oh my God, you have so many dogs. And, um, it's always a nice experience for everyone to get to kind of see dogs and it makes it a little bit more normal to see dogs in like environments where you don't normally get to see them. So I definitely love taking them to the Indigo bookstores. I love that. I took Marshall to Indigo once and somebody asked if he was a service dog. I do get that a lot. And I say they are in training, but not for that. <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, you don't know my dog. He's definitely not a service dog. <laughs> He's an emotional support animal. Okay. Uh, one more lightning round question. Lily, uh, will you drink wine with Mackenzie and I again? Absolutely. I would be very happy <laughs> to drink wine with you guys again. <laughs> Sold. All right, Lily, you're going to have to come back and chat with us. So... Thank you for joining us and for being our very first guest on the Dog Friendly KW podcast. I'm sure our listeners have learned many new strategies for supporting their dogs. Um, If you're interested in learning more about Lily, you can find her on Instagram at Leader of the Pack KW and also on Facebook. Thank you so much, Lily, for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. Um, I'd be happy to come back and drink wine with you guys anytime. (laughs) Yay. Yay. Our first podcast guest. Thanks, Lily. Thanks, guys. Have a good rest of your morning. Uh